I'm reading 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1 to 6. The Spirit clearly says that in the later times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Such teachings come through hypocritical liars with whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. They forbid people to marry and order them to abstain from certain foods, which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and those who know the truth. For everything God created is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving, because it is con consecrated by the word of God and prayer. If you point these things out to the brothers and sisters, you will be a good minister of Christ Jesus, nourished on the truths of the faith and of the good teachings that you have followed. Hi everyone, it's great to be with you. If I haven't met you personally, my name is Pete Stacey. I'm the evening pastor here at Shell Harbour City Anglican. And one of the things we love to do as a church is to sing God's praises together. For thousands of years, this has been one of the defining features of God's people, expressing our thanks to God through song. Uh, this idea of giving thanks to God is a significant part of our theme today. Uh, Jesus said, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks, and sometimes it sings. Uh, it's such a great way to express our thoughts and our feelings, to express our gratitude to God, who, who delights to give us so many good things. Uh, so what I think we'll do right now is have a little challenge. In 60 seconds, make a list of songs that give thanks to God. You might want to pause the podcast and time yourself. Uh, who can get the most songs? Uh, ready, set, go. Racking your brains for 60 seconds might be just a bit much for you right now. So I'm going to play just a, a medley of some of my favourites from the last 50 years of life. Here we go. Back in the days of singing hymns. Oh, for a thousand times to sing My great Redeemer's praise my soul The King of Heaven Then sings my soul Seventies, and uh, out in the kids' area, we were singing. If I were a butterfly, I thank you, Lord, for giving me wings and thanking God for all sorts of things. Meanwhile, back in the main building, they were singing once like this: I will enter His gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter His courts with praise. Straight out of Psalm 100, which was just read for us a moment ago. Uh, but not all of the Thanksgiving songs are uh, upbeat ones. This was one of my favourites. Give thanks with a grateful heart. Give thanks to the Holy One. Give thanks because He's given Jesus Christ His Son. And then if you really want that Aussie flavour to finish off with, something like this. Thank you, God, for the animals and trees and the rivers and the oceans and the summer breeze. And on and on goes. I mean, we could go on all day, couldn't we? Because if we pause for even just a moment, we realise there are just so many things we can thank God for. In fact, verse 4 in our reading today 
says this, Everything God created is to be received with thanksgiving. So my prayer today is that God will not only open our hearts to his word, but fill our hearts with thankfulness so that our expression of thanks to God is not limited to singing alone or the occasional prayer, but that thankfulness will become the very posture of our hearts in a way that transcends and even transforms the ever-changing circumstances of our lives. So let's pray now as we begin. Gracious Father, I thank you that we can praise you in song, but even the most eloquent words fail to capture your limitless glory and grace. Please change our hearts by your spirit as we reflect on your word now. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, last week's passage finished with a simple statement of faith, a creed. Perhaps it was even an early song of the church. It reminded believers of the central truths about Jesus. But as we've already seen several times in this short book of the Bible, the danger for the church is to move away from these truths, to not keep Jesus as our central focus. And so verse 1 says, The Spirit clearly says that in later times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Now, Paul might be referring back to Acts chapter 20 here, uh, when he spoke to the leaders of the Ephesian church, warning them in this way. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. That's dangerous from outside the church. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. There's dangers from inside the church. So be on your guard. Here in verse 1, though, the words later times are very general and seem to refer to dangers that perhaps every church will face while we await Jesus' return. And history certainly shows this to be true because there are three dangers here that have plagued the church ever since these words were penned. Some will depart. That's the danger of apostasy. One of the most painful things in my own Christian life has been watching good friends or even family members turn away from following Jesus. I know many of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Friends, keep praying for them. Secondly, Paul mentions deceiving spirits. The danger of deception is as old as temptation itself. Isn't that exactly what happened in the Garden of Eden? Satan, in the form of a serpent, deceived Eve. And together with Adam, they disobeyed the command of God. Apostasy, deception. The third danger Paul mentions is things taught by demons. Now, it all sounds very spooky, but he's referring to the danger of false teaching that clouds the vision, darkens the heart, and destroys the soul. Friends, the whole Bible points us to Jesus. Any teaching that takes away from Jesus is demonic and dangerous. And it comes in two forms, either adding to the truth of God's word or, you guessed it, taking away from the truth of God's word. And it can be eternally fatal. So how do we protect ourselves from this kind of danger? Well, the simplest answer is this. We need to fill our hearts and our minds with his word. If we know what's in his word, it's so much easier to spot what's not in it. 
And now, although false teaching and deception is demonic in origin, we usually hear it through real people. Verse 2, such teachings come through hypocritical lies whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. They're hypocritical because their lives do not align with God's truth. They're liars because their words do not align with God's truth. And it's no surprise that their God-given consciences are burning, seared, as with a hot iron. Now, I've seen cows being branded, pretty painful, you know, having an identifying mark literally burn into their flank. It's about as far from peace and comfort as you can get. But it's, worth, it's worse than that, what's in view here. You see, searing dulls and eventually kills the nerves, so you don't feel the pain anymore. And likewise, the Christian who keeps going back to the same sin or the preacher or leader who keeps dabbling in false teaching grows dull to the quickening voice of the Holy Spirit over time. And eventually they become blind to the truth and deaf to God. Friends, that's not a place we want to be. How do we avoid it? Again, by knowing God's truth and holding on to it in faithful obedience. Now, a common feature of these false teachers is that, that they promote rules not endorsed by Scripture, uh, by controlling relationships and controlling diets. It gives them power over their converts. And that still occurs in some religious sects today. We, we need to be wary of what we hear and check it against God's word. But here Paul gives us a couple of examples in verse 3. They forbid people to marry and order them to abstain from certain foods. Marriage and food. These are fundamental gifts of God that go back to creation itself. In Genesis 2, God formed Eve and brought her to Adam in the very first marriage. God told them to multiply. And so the family unit became the nucleus of human society. Again, in Genesis, God provided an abundant variety of food for his people. Food is good. Enjoy it. Uh, but but food isn't quite that simple, is it? Now, a more careful look at the Bible reveals that in the Old Testament, abstaining from certain foods was a mark of belonging to God's people. In fact, abstaining from food of one particular tree gave Adam and Eve the opportunity to show that they loved God by obeying him, which, of course, they failed. Uh, they took that forbidden fruit and they ate it. And sin entered the world. And sin has been spoiling our enjoyment of food and everything else, all of God's good gifts, ever since that moment. So we need to think biblically here. This is why it's so important to have a growing knowledge of God's word for ourselves. As we hear people teach God's word, we can measure it by our knowledge of God's word. And then we can joyfully receive God's truth and obey him. So when some te someone teaches the Bible correctly, uh, teacher and listener obey God together. But a false teacher entices and persuades people to obey them more than to obey God. So let's think biblically, Christianly, about this idea of food for a moment. Uh, now, we're, we're not Old Testament Israelites. We're Christians. So let's consider what Jesus says. And I'm going to give you some references. They won't be on the screen. But in Mark chapter 7, verse 14 to 23, Jesus pronounced all food to be clean in God's sight. 
Later on, he taught this same lesson to Peter in Acts chapter 10, and he reaffirmed it to Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. All food is good, so we can enjoy it. But there's lots of New Testament uh, verses that highlight how we are to enjoy it. So now we have the opportunity to show we love God by enjoying food his way, not just our way. For example, we're not to be gluttons, constantly gorging ourselves with far more than we need. We're not to eat selfishly, causing others to miss out. We are to avoid eating if it causes a brother or sister to stumble in their faith, eating you know, certain foods and that sort of thing. For example, uh, I enjoy eating meat, but I'll happily go vego if I'm with someone who's really against eating animals, for example. Uh, according to Jesus, we can eat anything, but how we eat is an expression of our love and thanks to God and our love for other people. See how verse 3 ends? All these things, which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and who know the truth. Friends, we are those who believe and know the truth. Delight in it. Delight in him. And this leads us to the part of the passage which I find so liberating and wonderful. For everything God created is good. And nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving because it is consecrated by the word of God and prayer. In youth group this term, we're looking at Genesis 1 to 3. And as we've followed the account of creation, there's a few phrases that are repeated again and again in that opening chapter. Uh, one of them that occurs at the end of each day of creation is this. And God saw that it was good. Uh, lots of times. Uh, and then at the end of the last day, when God created humans, the narrator tells us God saw all that he made and it was very good. Note the emphasis. Humanity is God's crowning achievement, the pinnacle and the completion of his magnificent creation. And after creating them, something extraordinary happens. God blessed them. And said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. God gave humanity the responsibility of cultivating and caring for his creation. The word rule here does not mean dom domination or destruction. It means stewardship. And friends, my heart aches and sinks. As I look at the world today, human sin has ravaged the natural environment. Human sin has devastated human relationships. And human sin has severed us from the God who gave us life. What's the answer? Only faith in Jesus Christ can restore us to true fellowship with God. But once that's fixed, we then have the power of his Holy Spirit in our hearts and the light and truth of his word in our hands and in our heads. And we can begin to enjoy relationships with other people and to enjoy his creation, all the wonderful gifts that he lavishes on us the way he intended. It's wonderful. Look at verse four again. For everything God created is good 
and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving because it is consecrated by the word of God and prayer. Thanksgiving and prayer. See the relational nature of enjoying God's world? All God's gifts are meant to be enjoyed in relationship with him, the giver. We need to repent of enjoying God's gifts and ignoring him. Just this week, I was out in the surf catching some waves and mulling all of this over in my head. Uh, I was about to come in when I, I got one really, really good wave. It was so much fun. That was like God just opened my heart to actually thank him for it. Surfing was never meant to be me time, as though I could shut everyone and everything, including God, out for, for that time. God had blessed me with a really fun moment in his creation. And I just, I ended up just like yelling out thanks to him and it just kind of released something in my own heart. And then I was like loudly shouting and singing God's praises out there on the surf. I'm not sure if that, the people on the beach could hear me. But every day God blesses us with so many good gifts and he wants us to enjoy them as we enjoy him, not instead of enjoying him. And we can do this even in the hard times too. So many times I've prayed Philippians 4 verse 6 for myself and for and with others. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Friends, even in the hardest times of life, there is much that we can thank God for if we allow him to open our eyes to his goodness. And he does this through his word, above all. In the Bible, he tells us how to enjoy his many blessings. That's what that middle bit means. It is consecrated by the word of God. Now, consecrated just means set apart for God's honour. Our whole lives are to be consecrated. Our whole being set apart for God's honour. And the word of God shows us how to be consecrated as we enjoy God's many gifts that he blesses us with. It makes sense. I mean, yeah, God created everything. God knows how everything is meant to be used and enjoyed. The Bible provides God's instructions, if you like, for enjoying his gifts. And it helps us avoid using his gifts in ways that are contrary to his good design and plan. And when we learn to enjoy God's gifts rightly, it enhances our relationship with him as the generous and gracious giver. Now, the word of God and, and prayer, that's the emphasis for us all here in verse 5. You might remember a few weeks ago, we had a quick look at Acts chapter 6, verses 1 to 6. And uh, in that passage, the word of God and prayer is to be the particular focus of Christian leaders. And so our passage today ends with a word to Timothy as the leader of the church here in Ephesus. If you point these things out to the brothers and sisters, you will be a good minister of Christ Jesus, nourished on the truths of the faith and of the good teaching that you have followed. Friends, as we hear the truth taught, if we listen to and follow good teaching, we will be nourished by it. It's a great picture of health and vitality like this plant here that we haven't been ignoring, but watering carefully. And look at it. It's thriving. Wonderful. 
So often we're deceived by the world into thinking that following Christ is somehow restrictive or, or limits our freedom and stunts our growth. Friends, the exact opposite is true. Then, having been personally blessed by following good teaching, we should, as verse 6 says, point these things out to the brothers and sisters. Now, while this is especially aimed at Timothy, we are all called to be witnesses of God's goodness to us in Christ. We're all called to be prepared to share God's goodness and his truth with, with those around us. So I want to finish with a question. What can you share about God's goodness with someone in this coming week? Amen.